0: Hey, I'm Paul Perry.
1: I'm Kim Hartsock, and you're listening to The Wrap.
0: A Warren Averick podcast for business
1: leaders. Designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it.
0: So you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day.
1: Now, let's get down to business. So today we're talking about something that a lot of business owners don't want to talk about, but they need to talk about, and that's fraud.
0: Absolutely. I mean, U.S. businesses lose billions of dollars each year to fraud, and we understand that Business owners have less time to focus on all aspects of their business, their daily operations, when they are having to focus on the potential fraud that's out there and they become very vulnerable. Uh, Luckily for our listeners today, we have uh, Tammy McGoy out of our uh, Fort Walton Beach office with us to talk about some of those risk factors and uh, what business owners can do to kind of help minimize that risk. Tammy, welcome to the podcast
2: now thank you paul and kim Um, and thank you for the opportunity to share my experiences um, investigating frauds you know as paul mentioned i'm i'm a partner in the fort Walton beach office and when i first started learning about fraud i really had to train myself to think like a fraudster um naturally, being a CPA, I have a certain level of skepticism, you know when I'm doing financial statement audits, but when I became a certified fraud examiner and certified in financial forensics, I feel like the game had changed. Today, I investigate frauds, and I do help businesses address risk of fraud within their organizations, you know to help them become less vulnerable. So thank you for the opportunity to to speak today.
1: Yeah, we're glad to have you, Tammy. So just to get started, maybe it would be helpful to our listeners just for you to explain. I know there are several types of business fraud. Maybe you can just go over some of the the main ones that you focus on.
2: Sure. Uh, Kim, generally what I see is surrounds the, biz- the disbursement schemes where someone would receive funds through unauthorized disbursement methods. And we'll go over some examples. Probably the, a very good example is just payroll fraud in general. Um, payroll fraud schemes um, can be anywhere from one paying themselves additional pay, maybe writing an extra check during a payroll cycle. Uh, Sometimes one may pay themselves a a bonus um, above their normal pay. Another example in payroll fraud is someone who may be coding more hours uh, for not work, but getting paid or taking vacation uh, and not recording the vacation in the the leave system. So payroll is a prevalent type of fraud that I see quite often. Another one is check fraud. Similarly to payroll is where someone is receiving uh, monies through unauthorized means. So an example would be writing a check to themselves. Um, and being able to get monies um, that way or writing a check to cash and then, you know, taking the cash and, and using it for, for their own benefit. Some of the more sophisticated would be maybe writing a-, a check to a fake vendor, or even sometimes it may be a legitimate vendor knowing that they're paying it probably for more than what it is required, and then getting a refund um, and intercepting that refund when it comes back. So those are examples of check disbursement fraud. Another example would be expense fraud. And we see this quite often where it's more of a reimbursement type scheme. Uh, where an employee may be submitting reimbursement from their employer for items that are more personal in nature and not business-related. So they're getting that money that way. Or uh, they may be using a company credit card For personal items and passing those along um, as businesses. So, you know, payroll fraud, check fraud, expense fraud, those are all really on the disbursement side that I do see quite often. Uh, Another another type of fraud, which is more difficult, but it it, it does happen, and it's more of understanding relationships with um, your employees and vendors, but it has to deal with kickbacks and kickbacks is generally off the books type of fraud and where you're looking for you know potential relationships that may be unusual in nature maybe your company doesn't work for um, or pay a, a vendor you know, a specific type of vendor um, and having a payment go to that vendor might be a relationship or an unusual transaction that you need to look at. But kickback generally involves where the perpetrator has caused a payment to a third party and then the transactions between that perpetrator and the third party occur. So it's off the books, but I I have seen kickbacks as well. So again, Kim, those are just some general nature of disbursement type schemes that I've found um, in cases that I've looked at.
0: Now, Tammy, any listeners know that anytime I get an opportunity to talk about controls, I'm always going to bring that up. And I think this is a, a great segue, right? Because a lot of what you do from a fraud detection and a uh, you know communication of fraud prevention definitely deals with controls and sometimes the lack uh, thereof. So I think it's always a good meshing of those conversations. Um, you know, this next question for you kind of somewhat loaded, you know, what really causes the business fraud and, you know, how can a company determine their vulnerability? And I got to imagine uh, <laughs> what has happened in the last two and a half years probably is not helping the situation, right? We've, I've had lots of phone calls. I know you have too, but uh, I think dispersing people from a workforce perspective overnight and disrupting their daily operations, um, whether those are legitimate operations or, or not, probably caused that. Compa- people started leaving companies, nobody had anything written down. And now all this fraud is probably starting to come up. So I can only imagine that question of what causes business fraud has been exponentially uh, increased over the last couple of years due to the the nature of business right now. Would you agree with that?
2: Oh, absolutely. And I too, Paul, have seen an uptick in fraud cases that I've investigated. Um, and so what, you know, generally what I'm seeing and what causes, there's a couple of different things that we look at. Personal greed uh, is one where, you know, someone just, you know, they feel like You know, they're greedy, they have the wheeler dealer type attitude, and they're going to commit fraud within your organization. Sometimes it's the lifestyle of someone that they're trying to maintain a habit. You know, they may be supporting a, a gambling habit or have some sort of an addiction, and they need a means to fund that addiction. Or that habit. Sometimes uh, fraud occurs because an employee may just want revenge um, against their employer. You know, they may feel that they're not treated properly and, or they're not compensated enough, and they will commit fraud through just a revengil, revenge type um, mentality. But you know, you make a good point. All companies are vulnerable to fraud, so there is not a a foolproof you know, measure that you can take to to mitigate the fraud because everyone's vulnerable. I've heard the the rule that one third of the workforce would never ever commit fraud. I've heard also that one third would commit fraud if they thought that they could get away with it. And then one third would do it regardless. So we do have a mix of people within the workforce, and depending on the circumstances, COVID being a great example where there are less controls in place, you know, they there's more opportunity um, available, but
1: everyone's vulnerable. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics?
0: Then head on over to warrenaberit.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox.
1: Now, back to the show.
0: And, and I would also say, you know, to, to piggyback off that just a little bit, you know, business owners that are sitting out there listening to this going, ah, you know... Susie, and I, and I really apologize to anybody named Susie because every time I use a fraud case, it's usually Susie's doing something. Um, I probably need to use like Tim or Scott, but Susie has been with me for 30 years. So there's no way she could be doing that, right? How many times have you heard that statement said? Or even when you find something... Or you bring something to somebody's attention that may not be an allegation, a direct allegation, but it may be. Look, this is abnormal. Um, We really need to have this discussion. They're like, "Oh, it's it's Susie's not going to be doing that to me." How many that has to be part of your daily discussions with folks?
2: It it is, and and it's trust. I mean, you can have trusted, longtime employees, but I always, you know, the adage of trust but verify. You know, if people realize that. Yes, you do place a lot of trust in employees because you can't be in all places you know, at once. So you do have that level of trust, but sometimes the trust is abused. Um, and so, a lot of cases that I've seen, that is in, in fact, what happens is they've trusted this employee. They never expected that this employee would do something like that, and then they're, you know, upset about it afterwards. So, you know, we, we'll go over some some good advice later of what you know you can do as a business owner just to make sure that you are monitoring that you do have some mitigating controls in place, but you, you know, you can't have a full safe, you know, segregation of duties or full safe plan uh, to prevent fraud, but you definitely can have some things in place that help reduce um, the risk of fraud.
1: And Tammy, um, you know, Paul touched on this, that of course there are controls that are necessary that will help businesses prevent, but also help them detect fraud, right? Because most of the time when we find out about fraud, it's been going on for quite some time. And that's again kind of the the track record of fraud, fraudsters as you referred to them, is, you know, they they maybe do it For some reason, and they get away with it. And then they get a little more bold and they go a little bigger and they start to do it longer. And then by the time we found it, you know, you're into the seven digits of (laughs) um, dollars that are being, that have been. The company has been defrauded from. So if I'm a business owner listening to this and I'm having a panic attack because maybe I haven't had some of these controls in place, what are some things that I can start doing today that will help me prevent and also help me detect if there is fraud going on?
2: Uh, that's a great question, Kim. And And there's a couple of things that they you know, as a business center, you can do. I'm going to say the prop, The first thing is just, you know, reviewing your, um, your internal controls, making sure the functions that you have going on, that there's proper segregation of accounting duties. Um, and what that means is just making sure that, One person doesn't have complete control um, of a transaction cycle from the initiation, you know, all the way to the record keeping. So, uh, authorization is separate from someone who has custody of records, from someone who is doing record keeping. And and we can go back to the example, you know, the payroll was um, one of the frauds that I deal with, and looking at segregation of accounting duties in the payroll system you know separating hiring and setting up employees in the pay you know in your system keep that separate from someone who is actually processing the payroll Um, and then once payroll is processed just making sure that that there are some uh, review and approval um, steps going on and then reconciling the bank accounts and you know make sure that there's different people involved in those Steps of the payroll cycle. So understanding your transaction cycle and making sure that there's not one person really has control from start to finish. So that's just, you know, segregation of accounting duties. Second is just know, know your employees. You know, if you hire employees, and this is a great, you know, time when you're hiring new employees, is do a background check if if you know, prior to hiring that employee, the employee, you know, may have. Been convicted of fraud. They may have poor credit. There may be something in their background that you really don't want to be part of your organization. It may be a a motivation for them once they do become an employee to commit fraud. So know your employees. And of course, third would be just maintaining internal controls. I know we've talked about the segregation of duties, but understanding what procedures do you have in place. And are those procedures being followed? You may have some great procedures, but if they're not being followed, then they're, you know, it's not a good thing. And probably the most important is education, you know, understanding you know, what are some red flags? What are some risks? Where are the, you know, in the different transaction cycles, how could fraud occur? And then training on that, you know, everybody within an organization has a role to help, you know, reduce fraud. And so education to your employees, um, and understanding what those red flags are, uh, is, is important.
0: Those are really good points, Tammy. One of the things that I do when I go out to companies, and you talked about it at the beginning of this episode of having that heightened sense of awareness, right? So when I go to an organization, um, the first thing I do, I, I do a parking lot audit, right? I'm, I'm, I'm checking out what's out there. And if something sticks out, and I'm no offense to any Maserati owners, but if I go <laughs> to a parking lot and I see a Maserati that is not parked in the president's spot or the, the CFO spot, I'm going to ask... Hey, who's the? I'm a I'm a car guy. That's an awesome car. Who's is that? I'd love to talk to that person. When I find out that's the AP clerk, right? That's my that's my cue. And I and I'm already again. Uh, I think you've done this so much, and I get accused of this a lot. Is I I I, I bring Chicken Little to the conversation a lot and say um, I, I suspect things before they happen, but it's because you've seen it so much and you can't not see it.
2: Oh, absolutely. I agree. The lifestyle doesn't make sense based on the position that the person is um, you know, working in, you know, lifestyle is big. If, they, if right. all of a sudden you know, there's a couple of things, lifestyle, it could be a change in behavior. This person mm-hmm. may have had, you know, a pretty even killed, you know, behavior, but then all of a sudden they become very controlling or you know, something that just doesn't feel right. There may be something going on. It may not be fraud, but it could be that, you know, that they're committing fraud and you're just starting to find the tip of it. Um, So those are very good points, Paul.
0: So some business operations, you know, kind of put their company in a position that subjects them obviously to a higher risk. You've kind of talked about that a little bit in your experience and what you've seen, you know, what can companies do to really minimize that risk uh, of business fraud? Again, not take it completely away, but um, if you don't open yourself up to that, that susceptibility, maybe, maybe it helps kind of go forward. So what are your, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, there's just a couple of things that, you know, you know, the companies can do is one, if you have an expense policy where you're reimbursing it, just make sure that you have a good uh, a review and approval process. Make sure that someone's reviewing the details um, and that the expenses are being approved uh, properly. If you have, uh, you know, Company credit cards, we really try and stay away from company credit cards because that is an area where we have seen a lot of abuse. And so just avoid company credit cards. If you have something that you need to, you know, purchase, then have the company purchase it, you know, on your behalf. Um, But so no, no company credit cards if at all possible. Surprise bookkeeper audits um, is good. You know, make sure that, that you on a, you know, a periodic basis are reviewing stuff. you know, it makes the person know that you, that their work is going to be looked at. Reviewing bank statements, I think that is a huge thing that someone can do is the bank statement will show anything that may stick out as as unusual. Um, and as a business owner, that's an easily once a month type thing. You know what the nature of your business is. You could easily tell if there is something that, that sticks, you know, sticks out. Uh, and another thing is sometimes companies have, you know, advanced accounting systems. And if you do have, you're lucky to have an advanced accounting system, use the system, you know, to detect, um, you know, fraud. Maybe you have some parameters set in your, Say your payroll system, um, anyone that's, you know, a paycheck that goes over a certain threshold, say it's a 10% increase in um, the pay from previously, then, you know, it'll flag it. And so the controller or a business owner, someone can actually review those indications that something is unusual. So it's like a red flag in that system. So, I mean, those are like simple things that you can do to minimize uh, the risk um, in your your business for fraud.
0: And and I want to uh, also relate all of our listeners back to episode twenty six. We talked a little bit about controls improvement for companies, and uh, that was a that was a very similar discussion. A lot of the same things uh, you mentioned bank reconciliations, and I would say that. Um, I, I could guess that 100% of your fraud cases where there was fraud, I uh, bet there was a bank reconciliation that wasn't done over a month old, right? Correct. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a quick indicator. If I've asked for a bank reconciliation, and it's been more than a month, and I still don't have it, there's a reason.
1: That is correct. Right? Yes. So, Tammy, we've covered a lot of things for our listeners today, and we always try to wrap it up in 60 seconds or less on these episodes. So, what do you want to leave the listeners with today? What are some specific things that you want them to walk away remembering?
2: Uh, probably the most important thing is just to monitor. You know, you may not have um, enough money and systems in place to have full you know, full control um, over your, your accounting um, or business systems, but monitor, you know, I think sometimes perception is, is enough. Um, if someone thinks that you're uh, reviewing uh, their work, then they may not be as eager to commit fraud. But monitor, even if you have the most trusted employees, monitor, because it, it will let them know that, that their work will be looked at. Um, So monitor would be my best advice.
0: Tammy, enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for being with us today. I think this was a a good discussion.
1: Thank you. That was great. Thank you so much, Tammy.
2: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform.
0: To check out more episodes, subscribe to the podcast series or make a suggestion of other topics you want to hear.
1: Visit us at warrenaveritt.com forward slash the wrap.